Welcome to the official podcast of Vertical Life Church. We are a non-denominational church located in Clio, Michigan. We exist to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. We hope you are drawn into a deeper relationship with God through this podcast and pray that through the sermons you listen to here, your faith would grow. We are always excited to hear from those who are impacted by this ministry. And we encourage you to email us at contact at vlchurch.tv to share how God is using this ministry in your life. If you would like to support this ministry, you can do so online at www.vlchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you for listening. Just as we sang today, God sent his one and only son for you to die on the cross for your sins, to establish a relationship with you, and to give you an abundant life. And, and here at Vertical Life Church, we're just a bunch of people trying to figure out how to live that life together. And so we invite you to, to come be a part of what God is doing with us here. We are in a series we're calling Advent. Uh, we're, we're going through a period of 40 days leading up to Christmas Sunday, which for us is Christmas Eve this year. And we're taking time to really focus on the promises of God. You see, Jesus coming into the world was the fulfillment of many promises. Many promises over the course of thousands of years as God was intervening in different periods of time in, in our history and in the lives of the nation of Israel, God was giving promises that one day there would be one who would come that would make all things new again. And so the fulfillment of Christmas is the fulfillment of many promises. And we as the church of Jesus, even now after Christ has already died and risen from the dead and gone to be in heaven as he's preparing a home for us in heaven, God through Jesus and the apostles of the early church have given us promises that we can now hold to and look forward to on the day that Christ will return once and for all to make everything new, to wipe every tear from our eye, to put an end to sin and suffering and struggle. Anybody have a struggle this week? Can I get a testimony? Anyone want to testify? Some strife, some struggle, some hardship, maybe illness, maybe you just looked at yourself wrong in the mirror and that just gave you a bad day. I don't know what it is, but, but struggle and strife seem par for the course. But see, one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make all things new. And what he began when he came the first time as that little infant baby, he is going to complete on the day that the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we who are alive and remain meet him in the air. This is the hope that we have. And so while we're in this, this period of time where we're navigating our lives and how we honor God and how, you know, we can just, you know, live our lives and, and do the best that we can just to stay in his will, we have promises that we can hold to that strengthen our confident hope. You see, this week we're in full swing in our countdown to Christmas. Like Jason said, it's only a few short weeks away now that we're in December. And, and this year, on Christmas Sunday, we're going to try to do something a little different, Lord willing. We're going to try to put a little Christmas pageant together. Vertical Life Church is getting ready to round off four years of ministry, and we've not done anything like this before. So don't expect, you know, Broadway, you know, 
uh, you know, style or quality, but expect people who love God coming to celebrate what God has done, okay? Invite your friends and family. If you'd like to be a part of that, if you've not already been asked to participate, uh, please see my wife, Tony. She's the angel that plays the piano, or uh, fill out on a connection card and turn that in. We'd love to connect with you. Um, but this week is week four in our series, Advent. And we are calling the church to dwell on and pray through the promises of God, both personally in your life, these are things that apply to you as well, but also to pray for our church, to pray for us as a group, as a body, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this week, each week, we're taking a different focus on different promises in the scripture. And this week, we turn our focus onto some vital topics that are really interwoven together. And that's in the area of vision and wisdom. Proverbs 29, verse 18, the wisest man to ever live, King Solomon writes this in Proverbs 18. He says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. See, this is a very powerful scripture, and and in the Proverbs, there are wise sayings. There are things that that you can expect to be true in your everyday life, things that, you know, you can, if you live your life according to the wisdom of Proverbs, you can expect to have a very blessed life. And here, he's saying that where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. This is a troubling verse, because Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he reminds us that when people do not have a word from God, when they don't have divine direction, they become lax, apathetic, and they begin to cast off restraint. That phrase can also be just translated as they can become discouraged. When you don't have a word from God, when it's been a season, and I think we've all been there where there's been a season in our lives where maybe we've been praying every day, we've been reading the Bible every day, but it just seems like we've entered into a spiritual desert where it's, it's like it's been a millennia before, since God has spoken to us. And to feel that closeness, that, that intimacy with the God or with God. When it comes to this subject, I often think about taking road trips. For those of you that, that aren't familiar, I have four wonderful trying children. They're, they're a blessing, but they, God uses them to teach me many lessons. And uh, I continue to have to relearn those lessons over and over and over again because I am a very slow learner. But, uh, but I think of uh, my family when it comes to this type of a situation in the event of taking a road trip. My uh, family, my parents, uh, my mom, my brother, they live in Missouri, so it's a little over 700 miles to get there. It's about a 12, 13-hour trip, depending on how many pit stops we have to make. And I think of road trips when it comes to, you know, this idea of casting off restraint or discouragement, because even though it's kind of exciting to get to your destination, right? You've planned it out, whether it's going to be, you're going to end up at Disney World or you're going to just end up at grandma's house, whatever the case is, you get in the car and and, and you head down the road. And even though spending hours and hours in the car is not the funnest thing for anyone, every time you cross a state boundary, it's like a glimmer of hope rises up within you. Like, we're getting closer. Yes, this is, this is it. We're getting closer and closer soon. We're going to get out of this dumb car. We're going to be able to stretch our legs, and we will make it. We'll be able to enjoy our time. Even if people are getting on your nerves and, you know, my kids, you know, they can't touch each other in the car. Everyone's, you know, whining about that. Even through all that stuff, just continuing down the road, getting closer to your destination makes it easier to handle some of those frustrations and tensions. But what happens when traffic stalls? 
when all of a sudden you're 80 to 85 miles an hour, and if you're riding with Jason, 90 miles an hour. But, but what happens when you're driving fast, and all of a sudden you see nothing but a row of red lights ahead of you? You slow down to a stop, and you're just there, stuck. What it seems like maybe hours. It could be just like 15 minutes, but it seems like it's five hours in the car when you're stuck. It just exponentially increases all the frustrations and the tensions. And when we slow down, you know, we begin to like even prepare, you know, our pieces of mind. We're getting ready to add and send to all the other drivers on the road because they instantly become idiots for stopping in front of you. You know, it's all this tension. We are excited about the journey, but when it comes to a standstill, a stall on the road, we then become focused on all the frustrations of the circumstance. There's nothing else we can really focus on because we are stuck. And I think this is what happens when we as believers in our own personal faith walk, or even as a church, when we get to a place where we no longer feel like we're going anywhere. We just feel like we're stuck. We lose a sense of focus and purpose. We tend to become increasingly frustrated with things that we used to overlook, things that used to be not such a big deal. We stop even being so faithful because apathy begins to set in. And our passion that we, that to see a move of God, the passion that we had to serve, and that the idea that we just desperately want to be used of God because of this, this place of, of stagnation, that begins to wane. And this can happen when we get stuck in that habit loop of same old, same old, same old with nothing to look forward to. This is what I think happens. This is what Solomon is talking about. When there's no prophetic vision from God, when there's no divine direction, the people cast off restraint. They become discouraged. But see, Solomon, he also says in verse 18, blessed is the man who keeps the law, referring to the very word of God. You see, the Word of God, and it's true, we have the Word of God. God's Word is, is one giant prophetic vision. We have access to God's Word and will 24-7. There's not a time in our lives in this country and in this day and age we cannot access the Word of God. We cannot connect with God's will for our lives. And the truth about Scripture, Isaiah reveals in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11, he says this, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, proceeding, uh, producing seed for the farmer and the bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit and it will accomplish all I wanted to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. See, God promises us that his word will always produce fruit. There's not a time the word of God is not opened or sent forth that it does not produce fruit. It prospers everywhere he sends it. And this is an amazing promise, and I believe this with my whole heart. But the difficult part is in verse 11. In verse 11, God says it accomplishes all that he wants it to accomplish. Not necessarily what I want it to accomplish, but what he wants it to accomplish. His word will accomplish his will. And that is the difficult part of prophetic vision. Not that we don't have access or have it in the scripture or even in a personal revelation from the Holy Spirit. We know we are to love one another. We know we're to be kind to one another, to be generous. We know that we're to take care of each other, doing good to everyone. We're to wor work to live in peace with everyone. We're to tend to the less fortunate. We're to share the gospel to those who are lost in darkness. We know this is God's will for those who believe this is true. Yet, 
How does that look in my life? What does that look like for us? How are we to go about and actually do that, to fulfill that, the everyday step-by-step process? See, knowing the will of God and discerning the will of God is the challenge. Knowing for sure what God wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. And that is a huge burden on spiritual leadership. Most of the time, we just, we feel like, okay, we think this is what God wants us to do. We just launch our faith and we go for it and and expect God is going to work everything out. Sometimes we don't really know what God's will is for us. But I believe as your pastor, I believe when we founded this church almost four years ago, God gave us a specific mission. And that was to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. That is the core of our church. We know this is what we're supposed to do. But figuring out how to do that is always the challenge. How are we going to engage more people? How are we going to connect with people in this area or in this area or in this area? And I feel like we've been doing the best we can to honor the Lord up to this point. One of my prayer points this year, something I've been on my knees time and time again before the Lord this year, has been asking God, God, what do you want for us? What are your next steps? What are the very next things? What is your will? What do you want us to do? Because I've begun to sense, not just in my own heart, but in the spirit of this church, that there's some discontentment or discouragement in the air. Like, we're doing all this work, we're setting up, we're tearing down week after week after week, but we're not really going anywhere, where things aren't really happening or taking off like we thought they would. And people are getting more focused on the problems, like in a stalled car, than on the vision. It's like Israel. God supernaturally resurrects or, or, or restores or redeems them from Egypt. He parts the sea and they walk on dry ground and, and they get freed from their slave captors in Egypt. And once they get on the promised land, it's not too long. They start grumbling and complaining that God, what are you doing? Where's the provision? Where's the fulfillment of the vision or, or the fulfillment of what you said? They begin grumbling in the desert and begin to think, hey, it might be better to go back where we came from. Again, we're coming up on four years of ministry together, and some of the vigor and the zeal that was there when we first launched has kind of been replaced with some grumbling and some even some apathy, which is why a couple months ago we went back through our core values to reset our sights on what God has called us to be and do to help realign ourselves to this mission to engage people where they are and why it's important. Even last week, we set aside time to really focus on the blessings of God and give thanks together for the things that he's done in our lives, what miracles he's been doing through us and in us here at Vertical Life Church. And through different circumstances this year, I believe that God has clarified some of the vision for us this next year, really this next season in our ministry. For us here at Vertical Life Church, I believe God has given us a God-sized vision. And with it also comes some God-sized challenges or some moves in order for this to happen. But I'm so glad that our God can do more with five loaves of bread and two fish than we can do with a whole catch in an entire bakery. I'm glad that God can do more with the little that we have than we can do with an abundance. But what he's leading us into this next year, I think, will be a bigger undertaking, not without its equally big challenges. So when we started this church, part of the vision I believe God gave me was, as we were to engage people where they were, was a way to find a way to minister to the people who are furthest from the Lord. 
We're talking about the drug addict, the sex addict, the, the prostitute, the abused. So much so that we sponsored a, a ministry some of our women put together called the White Tattoo that went into the strip clubs to, to try to share the gospel and help reach people in those dark places. We, we sponsor another local mission, Heavenly Hope, that works with those that are caught up in human trafficking. There have always been ministries we've been trying to engage with. We launched My Brother's Keeper to reach the homeless in downtown Flint. We've been looking for ways to engage these issues. But I've always wanted to do something more than that. I wanted to be a part of a church where the drug addict could come and find freedom. Where the sex addict, the alcoholic, where people who have real issues, real struggles could decide, you know what, I'm just going to be who I am and I'm going to come and encounter the Lord. Where real people with real problems could be loved and through love find their way into a full and abundant life in Jesus Christ. About five years ago or so, I was introduced to a program called Celebrate Recovery. Someone had invited me to come. They were involved. They were volunteering, and they invited me to come attend a meeting and, and attend a night. And so my wife and I, we went, and I loved it. I loved the idea that there was a program out there to help people with their everyday issues. And I had the desire tucked back in my mind for launching this ministry at some point in our church where, you know, when I, once we were ready, once we had, you know, 200 plus members, we had all these finances, we had our own place, our own building, and then we'd be primed and ready to, to launch a ministry like this where, where, you know, we could really be that center of hope. And lo and behold, did I know that I myself at one point in my life would need to benefit from this kind of ministry where I too could find the power the power of authenticity and unconditional love of Christ as I worked through some of my own issues and personal emotional scars. This type of ministry does exactly what our mission statement says. It engages people right where they are. Where the Christian, the lifetime church member, or the atheist could come together and encounter Christ right where they are. And it leads them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. And not only do we have an opportunity to launch this program this year, but other ministries in the area are excited or becoming excited to potentially join us in that mission. I believe God is doing some incredible things with some of the networks and connections he's bringing our way. But to explain to you a little bit more about what Celebrate Recovery is about and more about what this ministry does, I'd like to introduce to you two people this morning who have recently become members of Vertical Life Church. Let's give them a hand for that. But also have been instrumental in helping start and run CR programs all over the area. Uh, this is John and Carly Keeling. And maybe some of you have heard bits and pieces of their testimony. But today I would like, to, and I've asked them to share a little bit more about themselves and the impact CR has had in, in their personal lives. to be smarter than the mic. Thank you. I am an extremely grateful believer in Jesus Christ, celebrating victory over drugs and alcohol, currently working on overspending, overeating, and self-esteem. And my name is John. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who's currently working on emotional dysfunction, infidelity, and people-pleasing. And my name is Carly. I was born in Detroit in 1976 to young, loving, wonderful parents. I grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood. 
I was not subjected to any drug or alcohol use in my childhood home, but emotional, mental, and even occasional physical abuse was part of life. There was a constant power struggle between my two very goal-oriented parents, and all I learned about God was that he had rules for me to follow. My parents always expected the best out of me. I was once grounded for getting a B on my report card. The standard was set. I was born in Texas in 1981 to a loving mom and a drug-addicted father. In short order, my father left, leaving me feeling abandoned and wondering what I had done wrong. My mother jumped from codependent relationship to codependent relationship, even remarrying my father a dozen years after he first left. I spent my childhood being sexually abused by several family members, being told I was no good for anything but sex, and I had better find a man that will take care of me because I was worthless. The only God I knew was a small dose I got when my mom had the church bus come to get me so she could have her Sunday morning alone. By age 10, I started using anything I could to escape. I could not live up to the impossible standard before me, so I tried to bury it. I got lost in pornography, drugs, music, anything I could find that would give me temporary relief and minimize the deep feeling of inadequacy I always felt. I could never possibly live up to all the rules God had set before me, so I decided I did not believe in him. I spent 25 years destroying everything and everyone around me. I was hoping in every fiber of my being that I would die and be done with life. It was nothing more than a burden. At age 15, I got pregnant after being abused by a family member. As a minor, my mom forced me to have an abortion and sweep it all under the rug. I was in shock. I felt so low, life lost all meaning. I just wanted it all to end for me. I had a son in 2004 who was abused by his father. As a result, he was taken from me and I lost my parental rights to my daughter born four years earlier. And when I had another son in 2007, he was removed directly from the hospital and adopted out. I was crushed. I met a girl in 2006 and I told her two things. One, do not ask me to marry you. I already made that mistake once. Two, do not get between me and my alcohol. If you make me choose, the alcohol will win. So in July 2011, we were married, but by October I had enough when we had a drunken fight and I left. God decided it was time. I didn't want God, I didn't believe in God, I didn't call for God, but he came and got me anyhow. As soon as he convicted me, I immediately began attending Celebrate Recovery. The people there were the acting body of Christ. They showed me Christ's love when I was unlovable, when I didn't even love myself. And they never judged me or expected me to be better. It was about what Christ had done for me, not my personal performance. Something was different about John, and I was interested. After a two-month separation, I called him up and we reconciled. I had attended Celebrate Recovery previously, but this time was different. I met the one true God and life changed. The people there were so loving and met me right where I was at. Celebrate Recovery saved my life. Revelation 12:11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. If you ever want to hear more of our story, just ask. What is Celebrate Recovery? I'm excited to have the opportunity to stand here and tell you. 
Celebrate Recovery is a safe place for people to share their hurts, habits, and hang-ups with others in an atmosphere of worship, community, and scripture. We're becoming a member of the body of Christ is encouraged as we learn God's example of love and service as it was demonstrated by Jesus. Two-thirds of the people in CR are there for something other than addiction. The 12 steps are based on the Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And they do not give you instructions on how to quit drinking. They give you instructions on how to live a better life, how to get closer to God. We believe it is a sin problem, not a drinking problem, not a divorce problem, not an overspending problem. And sin causes separation from God. The Beatitudes help us close that separation. I have heard it said that CR is the purest form of the church that Jesus spoke of. Everything done in CR has a scriptural backing. We reach people with God's word, which never returns void. There are 58 one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, help one another, pray for one another, care, support, greet, encourage. We do not get well on our own. We are meant to do life as a community of believers. God wired us this way. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Some say confess your sins to a priest. Some say confess to a psychiatrist. Some say confess them to God. God says we're healed by confessing to each other. If you want to be forgiven, you confess to God. If you want to be healed, you confess to each other. Celebrate Recovery is a discipleship factory. I have seen the worst addict and atheist come to Christ and become ordained. I have seen the lifetime Christian and ordained pastor have a radical experience with the one true God and learn a true relationship over religion for the first time. I have seen all walks from all backgrounds find the next step in what God has for them in this life. CR is making Christ-like disciples. Rick Warren says there are two types of people in this world. Those who need recovery and work it, and those who need recovery and don't work it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Celebrate Recovery has programs for kids also if there are enough volunteers. We call it pre-covery. We hope to get our children close enough to God to prevent the tragic events that often bring adults to recovery. And at a minimum, we always have child care. Celebrate Recovery has only been around 26 years and has reached approximately 4 million people. It's in over 33,000 churches, 64 countries. It's been translated to 24 languages. This is a movement of God. of who attend CR will attend your church on a Sunday. 50% of those will not only become members, but serve. Unchurched people are having radical, life-changing experiences. I know people that drive up to two hours each way every week to attend their home CR meeting. People are being fed the life-saving story of a God who loves them dearly, and they're hungry for it. I know of multiple CRs with an hour drive of here that 100 plus people attend every week. Communities, whole communities are rallying together 
at CR. We believe God is calling us to bring this life-changing ministry to Clio, and what we need is you. What we are asking for at this time is two hours out of your week. This starts with a training of sorts. We call it a step study. This is where miracles happen. It takes about a six-month commitment. We take you through the recovery principles as presented in the Beatitudes, and when you are done, you're qualified to become a leader. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 1 Peter 4.10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And if you don't picture yourself as a leader, that's cool. We'll need help in plenty of other areas. And even if you just want to join a step study and don't think you want to be a leader afterwards, we'll be happy to have you. If you think you know a person, great. Send them our way. But do us a favor and sign yourself up too. This is a chance to be the church. The leadership at Vertical Life feel like this is the logical next step in serving our community. What we are asking is that you come alongside in prayer for God's will to make sure we are moving in spirit and in truth. In prayer to see if God may be leading you to help us in moving out into the surrounding community to change people's lives with the gospel of Christ. Thank you for your time. God bless. Thank you guys for sharing that testimony. As you can see, these are just two people that stand as living proof that God's hand is on a kind of ministry like this to celebrate recovery. And what I find astounding is that type of honesty and openness, you know, the things that they shared, can only come from someone who's been through true inner healing and deliverance from past wounds and scars. I mean, most of us, we, we walk in the door when someone says, how are you doing? The first thing we say is okay, because we were like, I'm not telling you what I'm going through this week. You know, we've got these walls up and these defenses and, and these things, but being able to share your story and share it for the glory of God and allow your, the, the scars and pains you've had in your life stand as testimony of what God can do in someone else's life is a powerful thing. You know, I believe that, you know, Romans 8.28 says, God uses all things to work together for good. You know, John has, has said this before, this quote that he uses, that God never wastes a hurt, right? We sing a song called Nothing is Wasted. God, God doesn't allow you to go through trial just because he wants to see how strong you are. No, he allows you to go through the things you go through so that you can be a light and a beacon of hope for someone else. And I think this, this type of ministry is exactly what... Uh, needs to be brought to this area. And I believe God is leading us to launch this ministry this next year because whether we're ready or not, God is raising us up for such a time as this. He's placed us in the heart of a city to bring hope and light into darkness, to be his hands and feet of his church. And uh, it seems like every week I meet somebody else in the community that's that's wondering to know how they can partner with us and what God is, is doing. Um, the world... Whether we're ready or not, the world was not ready for Jesus when he came. 
You know, few people were looking future tense for his promises, but when Jesus actually showed up, the world wasn't like, okay, we're ready. Go ahead, God, do your thing. No, Jesus kind of came and interrupted everybody's plans, right? Mary, I'm sure, wasn't just preparing for the angel to say, hey, by the way, you're going to be a pregnant teenager and, you know, be risk being stoned to death because of this, because your husband may or may not, you know, you know, accept you. If he does, then, you know, you should be okay. But there's that risk. You know, God, when he shows up, oftentimes he ruins our plans. But his plans are for good and not disaster, to give us a future and a hope. His plans are far greater and far better than what we could plan for ourselves. And ready or not, God is raising us up to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. The world was not ready for Jesus. He came anyway, and when he came, he brought hope to the world. And I believe that God is going to bring a lot of hope through us this next year. I believe God is getting ready to move us out of a season of trial and into a season of harvest, that this ministry will be instrumental in the harvest. But as John said, it's not going to be without its challenges. This type of ministry is the lifeline for many, week after week after week. It's, it's their hope. It's their place of hope that they look forward to, which is why once we start, we cannot cancel it unless we're under threat of like nuclear fallout or something like that. It's a commitment that we make because the kingdom of God is greater. And the good thing about committing to the kingdom of God is Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and I'll take care of everything you need. So we commit to the kingdom and God will supply what we need. So with that, some things that we need is we need a building, either one of our own or a place that we can rent uh, for this type of ministry and, and use in, in other aspects. Uh, we need some place that we can either purchase, we need money to purchase it, or a place that we can rent. We'll need leaders to lead groups, servants to serve food and make food. We'll need a whole host of things to be in place. But don't let the brevity of the need distract you and overwhelm your faith in God to meet that need. Because God has promised if we seek his kingdom, he will supply everything we need. He is the one that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could even ask or think according to the power that works within us. And this is why today we are praying for confirmation of his vision, of this vision, that it will not just be an idea that we're tossing around because if we launch this thing, it's not going to be just me doing the ministry. It's going to take all of us to make this happen. We need to pray for confirmation for this vision. And we need wisdom and what the next step should be the partnerships that we need to have, resources that we need to leverage. It is crucial that, that we as a church are wise and good stewards of the things that God has given us, but at the same time, walk in obedience and faith. Just before we go into a time of prayer, I would like us to read these scriptures together as we've done each week. These promises, as we consider the opportunities and even some of the challenges that are before us, We'll go ahead and put the first scripture on the screen. James chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read this together. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Praise God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways... Acknowledge him or seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 2. 
says, this is what the Lord says. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will smash down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. In the King James Version, says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. This is what another translation really says. He will level the mountains or the swellings. In other words, as we walk in faith, God is going to flatten the obstacles that stand in our way. But we have to walk. We have to pursue. We have to keep moving forward. He says, I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. In other words, when we come against a door, if God needs us to go through it, he's going to rip it open so we can walk through unchallenged. These are promises that we can hold to and pray through. God is saying, I will remove the roadblocks and I will force open the doors. And so this is what we're praying through today. And as we go into a time of prayer together as a church, I want us to pray for these specific things. Number one, you put that list up there for me. Number one, that God would confirm in our hearts and unify us in the spirit around this vision. Number two, that we would have divine wisdom guiding our every decision. And number three, that he would level the mountains in the way and open every opportunity of need, every door, so that we can follow his will for our church. These specific things, and these are very important. Now we're getting ready to close in this time of prayer, but I'd like to do something different. We've got the microphone on the floor, and rather than just inviting anyone who will to come up, I would like three volunteers today, three people who would stand and and pray for one of these areas of need. Can we get a volunteer? A couple of volunteers? It's easier to volunteer because if not, I won't pick you. Who would volunteer to pray for number one, that God would confirm in our hearts and unify us in the spirit of his vision? Who will pray for that for us today? All right, Cassandra, awesome. Who will pray for the second one, that we would have divine wisdom and God would guide our every decision? Who will pray for that for us today? Rochelle, awesome. And number three, that he would level the mountains in the way and open every door of opportunity. Who will pray for that for us today? Jason, awesome. All right, this time I ask Cassandra to come on up. Rochelle and Jason, you can come up too. And let's go into a time of prayer as we call on God to fulfill his promises in our lives. that your spirit would just pour out on us today as we take this time to just come to you and ask for your guidance. Lord, we know that the scripture is true and we believe it, Lord, that when we ask that you will give us answers. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just guide our hearts, Lord, that you would guide this church, Lord, that you would open our hearts to what you have for us. Lord, that your spirit would just lay heavy on our hearts and speak loudly to our ears, Lord that we would just come to hear your vision for our church. Lord, that we would come unified. Lord, that we would all be hearing the same spirit and the same movement. Lord, we would just be in unity to work together. Lord, that you would guide each and every one of our families to search where you're asking us to be, Lord. What exactly you have for our families in this vision, Lord? 
I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to guide our pastor and our leaders. I pray that you'd be with Carly and John, Lord, as they, they move towards what they see you leading them to, Lord, that you would just bless this ministry, Lord, that this vision would be just so real in our hearts, Lord, that you would just be able to unify, that we would just know without a shadow of a doubt that your hand is on it and that you're guiding each and every way. Continue to speak to us, Lord, and help us to just seek your guidance in all that we do and all that we say here as the Vertical Life Church. Lord, just guide our hearts. Guide this church. May we only listen to your guidance and your spirit. May we be unified, and Lord, when we come together, we just have the exact ideas, the same visions, the same thoughts. Lord, that we would just know without a shadow of a doubt that you have just been, your hand has been on it. We just glorify you, Lord, and thank you for the fact that we know that that is true. We know that that's how you work. We thank you ahead of time, Lord, for the visions you have for this church. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for just giving us what we need. And I just pray as a church that you give us the wisdom that you promise us and that we allow you to do your part because so often we try to take the reins and do it on our own. Lord, let us be the servants that you put us here to be. Let us be the Christian people that are the example of the community that other people see and see Jesus in us. And please just, when we're doing our part, not even, let us not even see roadblocks, but just give us that wisdom that we need for structure that we can follow through and be the leaders that we need to be to support other people and bring as many people into recovery and into following you as we can. Please give us wisdom for finances that will help in the long run support a good, solid structure. And please help us with wisdom when we go to into dark places to show us and guide us to people that need your love, Lord. We thank you for the promises, like I said, that you gave us, and we just pray that we do our part and we let you do yours. In Jesus' name. Lord, just uh, continue your prayer and, and pray for the, the Holy Spirit to move and work through each one of us and to uh, continue this, uh, help this um, Celebrate Recovery is an amazing program and just pray that any roadblocks, any any obstacles um, that you just wipe those out, Lord, that you uh, remove any uh, financial, um, any uh, type of volunteer problem, any um, issue that may come up, there's going to be any type of program that raises up your name, Lord, the enemy's there to try and block it, to try and stop it, and uh, there's going to be people, he's going to get into people's heads and try and discourage them, but Lord, just pray that you just stop the enemy from attacking any one of us, Lord, and uh, just um, continue to help us um, be strong and, and encourage everyone here, Lord, to uh, pray daily for this program, Lord, that I feel like it's gonna, it's gonna reach 
it's going to reach a lot of people in this community and it's going to grow and go beyond just this community and, and spread to other communities, Lord. And um, this, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people I have encountered um, that need help, that need healing, Lord. And this, co- this program is, is uh, I think, exactly what this area needs and what people need, Lord. And let's uh, continue to... to just, pave the way for this program to get up and running as quickly as possible, Lord, and uh, just pray for um, a building, uh, any, you know, just pray for everything, Lord, that we, um, that everything falls into place, and that uh, continue to help us with the, um, you know, to get it on people's minds that, um, that may be timid or, um, unsure of what to do, Lord. Um, just continue to pray for them and uh, pray in your hearts. I encourage everybody to pray. Um, we're going to need volunteers and people to help um, you know, with, with uh, programs like this. It needs a lot. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of people that need to, um, to help out and just continue to help uh, open hearts up, Lord, and just continue to help, their, uh, help this community, Lord and uh, look after us and just continue um, that the Holy Spirit works and moves uh, through each one of us and uh, thank you for everything done for us Lord Jesus, Amen Father I just as we end our time today God we just establish all things under your authority God we ask that you would direct our hearts to stay focused on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, that the enemy wouldn't pull our minds and our thoughts away from, from the callings that you've placed in our lives, God, that we wouldn't get distracted with struggles and trials and the storms of life, the things the enemy tries to bring in to wreck our faith and, and to get us off track. God, help us to cling to the hope that we have in Jesus, God, and, and to let that hope overflow in our hearts and to pour out into someone else's life who is without hope. God, that our eyes would look beyond our own lives and problems and see people out in the world who desperately need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not not just to know him, to receive forgiveness of sins, God, but the power of your Holy Spirit to set someone free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, God. And who Jesus has set free is free indeed, God. You've set us free from our sin. You have the power to set us free from our struggles and our trials and our strongholds, God. And God, we would be remiss to keep this truth to ourselves like the cure for cancer and not telling anyone, God, we need to get that hope, that answer out into the communities, God, into the people who are just searching for someone to love them and help them find the path to freedom. So God, we just ask that your spirit would draw us into unity, give us vision, wisdom, clarify your callings, provide the resources as we continue to walk, Lord. Level the high places and make our path straight as Israel walked on dry ground between two walls of water. God, allow us to walk on that same path and fill us with hope and eager expectation of the miracles and the, just the joy that is going to pour out through this next year. Don't let us grow weary in well-doing, but God, Give us a resurgence in our resolve to honor you and to seek passionately after you. We thank you, God, for uniting us together for the covenant 
that we're in together as a church. And I just pray, Lord, that we would continue to walk in unity as we seek to honor you in all that we do, to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. We ask, God, that you bless our families now as we seek to live for you. In Jesus' name.